So, welcome back, Life Path Healings. Another dog walk, this time in the morning, in the foothills of Ukaipa. And I want to talk about self-healing. So, self-healing, to me, is not, I'm going to heal myself. It is working with spirit. It is also usually working with other people, be it a group, therapist, a teacher, a counselor, etc. Self-healing to me is that you are responsible for your own healing, meaning that you start to take charge of what's going on, what you think you need to work on, you track what you're working on, and you actually prepare for your sessions, be it with a group or a teacher, with a report, with this is what I've done so far. It's a bit like going to college where you can't really understand the next class until you've participated in the previous class. Unfortunately, our current education system seems to spoon feed people. So instead of them learning how to learn, they learn how to perform or submit or comply. So when I left education, the format of teaching had changed to satisfy accreditation. What that meant was we had to tell students exactly what we expected them to learn how we expected them to learn it. Then we would teach them what we told them they need to learn. And then we will test them on making sure they learn what we told them to learn. So nowhere in there is asking students to take a subject matter, find its relevance to them, discover their own learning style, adapt assignments to their learning style and their personalized interest in the subject matter, create a learning challenge for themselves, which we will call homework, do the learning challenge, and bring it back into a mentor to say, how did I do? Here's what I think I learned. What else do you see? What else do you think I've learned? So most adults, unless they have gone to a really good school or had great parents, have no idea how to learn. They know how to comply and behave like a well-trained dog. So very often when I'm working privately with people, what I get is, here's how I feel and you tell me what to do. Then they try to do some things and they come back reporting, I did what you told me. Well, what did you learn? Well, I, I guess I learned what you told me, you know, I was gonna be working on. Okay, I will say, can you articulate that? Can you give examples of what you learned? Can you ask questions about what you learned? And I find they can't because what they're doing is people pleasing, not learning. In other words, if I do the assignments I'm given and I say the right words, hopefully I'll get the results I want, which is less pain, 
more social skills, better sexuality, less obsessive thinking, etc. And it just doesn't work that way. It's, it's kind of like when you graduate from college, the one thing you're guaranteed is that you have learned how to get through college. What's not guaranteed is that you've learned the actual material that you went to college to study. Because there's two different things going on when you study. One is you learn the system of study, and if it's slightly oppressive, like most colleges, you learn how to comply and manipulate the system. What you haven't learned is how to use the system in order to learn what you want to learn, what your heart is longing for, what you're passionate about, what you think might be interesting or a priority for you. So if you're coming to work with a teacher or a healer or even going to a 12-step group, you're at a slight disadvantage until you get the skills of learning how to learn, not learning in order to get an outcome, such as if I go to 12-step meetings, I'll get better. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> All you'll learn to do is how to go to 12-step meetings. So how do you do self-help? Well, I'm going to talk from a spiritual perspective because I believe that all healing is done with the grace of source, whether you call it the creator, the great spirit, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, whatever you work with is fine. But like 12-step programs, which are spiritual programs, not self-help programs, to me, you have to have a practice that involves listening to spirit, which means sitting in silence. Whether you do it for one minute, 10 times a day, or you sit for three to five minutes every once in a while, but some kind of practice that allows you to be quiet with yourself, which doesn't mean you will feel quiet. Sometimes when you're quiet with yourself, what you hear is the enormous turmoil going on inside of you, but that you are learning to face what is inside of you. So that's the first part. And nobody can make you meditate. You have to risk that. What Brene Brown calls conscious discomfort. Practicing something new, and it will be uncomfortable. So another part of self-healing when you're working with someone or a group is to take your sessions very seriously. Yes, 12-step groups, definitely call them when you're freaking out and you need to vent or you need some instant support. That's no problem. You're going to hear all the barking dogs of this neighborhood, so bear with me. But when you're not getting into a meeting in order to vent, what you're able to do is to prepare for the meeting, to prepare for the session. And how you prepare for the session is you think about it. You think about what you've learned, you think about what you've done, you make some notes before you go to a session, you uh, meditate perhaps. And when I say prepare, 
I don't mean prepare like to present your best side. I say prepare to take the greatest risk because learning is always equivalent to risk. Mastering is something else. When you're mastering, you've already started the process of learning and now what you're doing is polishing your skills. And that's a different experience than the beginning of learning, which is generally feeling like hold your breath and jump in the water and hopefully you don't drown. So preparing for meetings, preparing for a session with a healer or a therapist that you look at the work you've done in between sessions, you write about it, you think about it, you have some ideas perhaps of what's next, you definitely have some ideas about what you've learned, and you have questions prepared. The problem with this, of course, if you're a codependent and a people pleaser, is that you will do a lot of this to look good to your therapist, your group, or your teacher. In other words, instead of preparing for risk, you're going to prepare perhaps to look like you're taking a risk. You're going to prepare to look good. So what do you do about that? It's a really good question. <laughs> you can look at what you're really afraid of, what you're afraid of experiencing, feeling, saying, or even thinking about, and pick one question or one thing to say about an area that is of great challenge to you, that is bringing you terror or anxiety or fear. And you bring that into the session. So most people prefer their healer or their teacher or even their group to run their sessions because then if they feel bad or things go south, they can blame. Well, it's her. She's mean. She's too blunt. Uh, he said things I didn't think were appropriate and the group is, uh, they're whining and they're complaining and you get to blame and you get to get out of a situation. And this usually happens most when you're about to make some progress, that uncomfortable feelings come up and rather than sit with them, work through them, look at why you're getting triggered, admit you're getting triggered, you will accuse, blame, and usually quit. So, how do you know when to leave? Like, for real, suppose something isn't good for you. I would say, never leave when you're triggered. When we leave something in a kind of neutral space, like, I think I got all I can get out of this, and I really got a lot out of it, and... I'm ready for more, or I, I need a break, but I think I got a lot. And you can summarize it, and you can bring some closure to your decision to leave, meaning you can talk to someone about it instead of just sneaking around and hiding and, uh, oh, I'm moving out of state or um, I'm taking a break. And that's all you say, and you cut all contact forever. 
that to me is a red flag. It means that you're leaving because you got challenged and you felt threatened and whatever you haven't finished, I guarantee you will come up in your next life class, be it a relationship, the next teacher, the next spiritual path, you know what they call destination addiction, meaning, well, this didn't work, so I'm going to do this next. So when you get to a place of kind of calmness, where it really doesn't matter if you stay or leave, like I could stay, I could go. That's a good time to decide to leave if you want to do that. So one of the things you can do to kind of trick yourself <laughs> is as you get ready for a session, in other words, you come in, here's what I've done, here's what I've worked on, here's what I think is going on, here's what I think should be next, here's you know my meditation report, how much meditation I've been able to do or not do. You can write all that out or get ready for that. Then do another session at a slightly different time with yourself about everything you don't want to say, that you don't want to bring up, that you don't want to admit, that you don't want to ask questions about, <laughs> that you would never dare say in public. And see if you can find a way to bring that up. In other words, give your report, here's how I've done, Here's my self-tracking. Here's my progress that I see. Tracking your progress is really important because if you make someone else track the progress for you, you will not learn how to self-validate or self-soothe. Instead, you will always looking for people, you will always be looking for people to validate you. Very unhealthy habit. So you give your tracking report and then You'll have maybe a list of five things you don't want to talk about or bring up and see if you can blurt one of them out. <laughs> Unprepared. That way you've prepared both for the presentation part of your meeting, your session on healing, and you've also put together some resources of challenging material. How do we know we're really authentically bringing up challenging material? Because you will feel it in your body. You will feel uncomfortable, tense, nauseous. You may feel the desire to dissociate. You may actually black out a little bit. You may sweat. Your stomach may growl. That's a really good sign that you have challenged yourself to go into new and what feels like to you dangerous material. Now, do you have to do this? No. Do you have to do it every time? No. But you want to keep track of what you are doing. Because if you're playing it safe, your therapist, healer, teacher, group, has to play it safe with you. You set a boundary, meaning I'm not going to talk about this. I want you to validate me. I want you to buy my presentation. I don't want to answer these questions. 
and I want you, you know, to honor my boundaries. My boundaries being that this is all I'm going to talk about. So if you feel you're not making enough progress or you're frustrated or you feel stuck, yes, you can get energy work to unstick you. And yes, you can meditate and pray and wait for it to happen that way. You can also, though, decide to challenge yourself. Meaning, I've been saying the same thing for five months, two months, not much is changing. I'm very frustrated. I think my teacher, healer, therapist group is to blame and nothing's getting better. A lot of times we also blame spirit. You know, if there really was a God, I'd be getting better, even though I'm not lifting a finger to help myself. <laughs> we tend to do that. So how you progress, how far and fast, is really up to you. If you're working with a professional of any kind, and you decide to go into dangerous material, and it's a little too dangerous, like let's say you err on the side of being a little too um, risk-taking. You put yourself at too much risk because you're not very good yet at self-care or self-safety. If you're working with a professional, they will make sure that you don't go there if you can't handle it. Plus, spirit will protect you. In other words, if you say, I want to address my incest at two years old, yet you have no memories of it. You just have some vague recollection. A professional will know how to work with that. But what it does say is that you're willing to feel that uncomfortableness. And if you're willing, that gives a kind of permission. If you're not willing, there's just no way to go into that material. All that can be done is try to make you feel safe safe enough to finally go somewhere scary. And in reality, lots of people do go to therapy just to feel safe. And once they learn how to feel safe, a lot of times that's the end of their work. That's good enough for them. They feel safer in the world, safer in their body. They know how to, quote, identify and stay away from toxic people and anybody who triggers them. And that might be your goal. And that's a fine goal. For some people, they want to be more fully alive. They want to be able to be around more people and not get triggered. They want to be able to face unhappiness and failure. And also to find out that most people aren't toxic. The only reason they're toxic is they're toxic to you because you have an unhealed wound. Yes, there are definitely really toxic people out there, but they're a minority. Mostly what's out there is you feeling offended, hurt, attacked, belittled, disrespected, used, taken advantage of because you're not yet a whole functioning person in terms of self-care and self-respect and self-love, which comes out of self-care.
So, should you decide to take on healing, remember, you have to participate fully. I used to tell students, I've seen the worst students come out of the best college, and I've seen the best students come out of a crappy college. Because college is simply an opportunity to learn. It doesn't guarantee that you will learn. You have to do the learning. And your learning is about not only what works, but also what doesn't work. Your learning is about your wins, but it's also about your losses and failures. Because with every one of those, you've learned something. In fact, you can't learn without loss and failure. Making mistakes is a surefire sign that you are learning. Doing well all the time can very often be a red flag that you're presenting. In other words, you're reading the signs in order to make sure you give what a person or a class or an institution wants from you in order to be left alone or get accolades or get recognition. And learning is a secondary agenda, if it even exists at all. Again, that's not a bad choice. If that's what you want to do, say at work, do it. It's a great way to get ahead. If that's how you want to live your life, choose a healer or a teacher who's going to help you do that. That's a different path than true healing or deep healing or a spiritual path. So when I talk about self-reporting and tracking, by the way, it doesn't mean that you report like a good puppy. I've had that happen. I did five meditations this week and my husband got mad and I didn't get mad back and um, I didn't eat a chocolate cake and on it goes like you're three <laughs> and validation for all that good behavior is a great part of healing however that kind of reporting has little to do with learning it has a lot to do with getting validated and again lots of people maybe even the majority go to a healer or a teacher because they want validation not because they want to learn. So while that kind of reporting is fine, you might want to add the learning element to it. Meaning, here's what I did good, that I'm very proud of, and I'd like to hear why you're proud of it. Not that you want me to tell you I'm proud of you. I'd like you to say, wow, I didn't realize I did so well. That's a learning. Then if you want the session to go further, that's up to you. And there's nothing wrong with coming in and saying, I had a bad week. I want a lot of validation right now. And that's all I want. Fine. No problem. So all of this is about making choices. It's not about making the right choices. Because there is no right choice. There's just choices. But a lot of people don't realize how many choices there are. And more importantly, most people 
are unconscious about the choices they're making. So somebody might come for a session, tell me all their good girl, good boy report, wait for a pat on the head, and then wonder why the session really isn't going anywhere. If I came in saying, I want validation this week, or for part of the session, I need a lot of validation. Then they can give me a report. All I'm going to ask them to self-validate a lot of stuff, give them some feedback as well, and then we can go on to learning. Now that's a choice. And you won't wonder, what's going on in this session? Why aren't we getting anywhere? <laughs> so if you work with somebody who sets everything up for you, they have a method, they have a process, they tell you, this is the next step, and here we go, and you're ready for it really disarms you. It validates that you're kind of incompetent. And most of all, the healer or the teacher ends up doing your emotional labor for you, meaning you're not doing the work. And when we don't do the work, we don't learn, we perform. So if you are working with someone who's trying to get you into more of, say, a healing perspective, then you might find someone that after you give your glowing report, they just smile at you and go, that's great news. And then they just sit there because they're waiting for you to take the reins and at least make a choice. Like, say, well, aren't you going to tell me how great I am? That's making a choice. Or you say, well, that's my good news report. And here's what I think I learned from all that good news. Or here's some other things that I learned that weren't so good. So very often when you don't get what you think is the response you think you should be getting, you might want to look at if you have fallen into manipulating your person into trying to do all your emotional labor for you. And they're not doing it. And they're also not going to point it out to you because it means you're in a people-pleasing phase. And if you're in a people-pleasing phase, if I point out I'm doing all your emotional labor, you're going to immediately jump through the hoop of, look at me, I'm doing my emotional labor now, <laughs> now that it's been pointed out. But you'll be doing it for the wrong reasons. You'll be doing it to people-please and be a good student, etc., rather than doing it because you want to do the work. So it's a bit of a confusing topic, especially if you have no idea how to do work on yourself. And if you've never thought about how you've been educated to be more of a people pleaser and a performer via your classes and your family, so you might need to listen to this more than once. The biggest suggestion I would give you is that when in doubt, ask questions. Why are you being quiet? Am I giving my best effort here in this session? 
what am I missing in the session? Sometimes just asking that question out loud will get you to think and your wheels will start turning and you'll find your own answer. And a good mentor will let you do that. They won't jump in and fix it for you. So however you decide to proceed, however far you wish to go, it's all up to you. It really is. And if you work with someone who paves the way for you, personally, I would be very suspicious. Paving the way means you're, they're going to design something where you get success. That means you'll pay more money and come back for more sessions. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've gained any skills. It just means you've navigated their course. At some point, that might be all you can do, and that might be a great start. So I guess I'm saying I don't have one answer about this. I have lots of questions for you to ask and think about, and also to encourage you, don't be ashamed of your choices. I want to feel good. That's all I want to do. Okay. Let's talk about coping mechanisms and life skills. I want to feel spiritually connected. Okay. Do you want to do that to get away from your own emotions? Or do you actually want to do that for some other reason? That got to look at that for your choice. So the first step in all of this is being willing to look at your choices and own your choices. The second would be ask a lot of questions. Hope this helps. See you on the journey.